Okay, we're going to continue our series called The Battle for Our Emotions. And we are dealing with several different emotions. Um, Today we're going to talk about depression. Look at Psalm 43, verse number 5. Verse number 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Interesting that chapter 42 and chapter 43 are probably written by the same person. If you'll notice in the Psalms, at the beginning of several of the Psalms, there is a little subscript underneath the chapter number. Those are actually part of the manuscript. And it normally describes what type of psalm it was, who it was for, or who wrote it. You'll notice under chapter 42, there is a subscript for the director of music, a mascal of the sons of Korah. But under chapter 43, there is not one. Then under chapter 44, there is another one. The reason being, more than likely, chapter 42 and 43 are all part of the same verse, just divided into two parts, written by the same person. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things that are similar to chapter 42 and 43. Look at chapter 42 and look down at verse number 5, just like verse 5 of chapter 43. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Look at verse 11 of chapter 42. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him my Savior, and my God. Then he begins chapter 43, talks a little bit about why he's downcast, and then he repeats this same thing. So more than likely, this is all one discourse. That's important because there are things in chapter 42 that will help us to know how to deal with this downcast spirit that we've got to deal with. So let's begin, first of all, by going through some preliminary things about depression. Just get a bunch of this stuff out of the way, and then we're actually going to look at chapters 42 and 43 and come up with some things that will help us. Vance Havner. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Vance Havner. Vance Havner was an old, old preacher who years ago, he's from North Carolina, a wonderful, godly man, good friends with Billy Graham. The boarding school I went to when I was in high school, he used to come to our school and speak in chapel and Bible conferences. He's written many books about the Christian life and holiness and how to, how to overcome things in your life. Vance Havner says, that every human being experiences three types of days in their life. First of all, there are the mountaintops. Those are the carefree days where everything goes great. I'm getting the raises. I'm winning the games. Everything just falls in place. i got not a care in the world. I'm kind of floating on cloud now. Then there are the days where we're just on the plains. And it's exactly what it says. It's just plain. Nothing bad, nothing good. We're just kind of going through life. Everything's just kind of plodding along, and that's okay. I mean, that's okay. No news is good news. I mean, everything's going good. And then, of course, there's the valleys. There's those days where we fall off into this deep, dark hole in our life. There's discouragement. There's disappointment. And many times there's despair, and there's depression. How do we deal with that? First of all, We could not live our whole life on any one of these. If you lived on the mountaintop, your adrenaline would be running so fast, you'd die at 30 of a heart attack. We couldn't handle that. 
The plains, that's just a ho-hum life. That's kind of that life where we're just plodding along. There's nothing really to, to challenge me or change my life. We die of boredom. The valleys is where we get our real strength. That's where we learn to get stronger. That's the no pain, no gain of the workout. Without that, there's no need for God. So we need them all. And by the way, the valleys is where we get to the mountaintops. So we we got to have them all. So we all experience these. Depression, it's normally the result of a process rather than the consequence of just one event. Normally. That's not to say you can't have some unbelievably tragic event hit your life and plunge you into a state of depression. That's not to say that can't happen. But normally, something has been leading up to this. That was kind of just the straw that broke the camel's back and kind of threw us off the edge. Okay? This process usually includes a wrong response to problems in our life. Jay Adams, in his book, The Christian Counselor's Manual, talks about a downward spiral of this process that leads to depression. Let me just real quick explain what he's talking about. There's an original problem. Okay? Let's say that um, this is a problem. Um, I don't know. The easiest one for me to think of is financing. Okay? Bad economy. Everybody's got it tough right now. We got, we got an issue with our financing. We don't have enough money to do what we want to do. So, rather than responding wisely and the way God would teach us to do it and be smart, based upon biblical principles, we respond in our flesh, which is a sinful way. And so I don't have the money I need to do what I want to do. So instead of cutting back, I pull out the credit card. And I go wild. Fourteen credit cards later and $30,000 in debt, I now have, because of a sinful response, an obvious additional problem, which I now address with another wrong response. I'm going to consider bankruptcy, which now creates another additional problem. That didn't work. Now I'm homeless, which creates another additional problem, which eventually leads to depression. So how do you fix that? We do just the opposite. Wherever I find myself, at some point I've got to stop what's in the red the sinful or wrong responses, and i got to start responding the right way. Once I do, I overcome that additional problem I caused. I get strength. I'm getting stronger now. I respond to the next problem that was caused the right way, unlike the wrong way I responded the first time. That one gets overcome, and now all of a sudden I'm on the spiral upward. I'm climbing back out of this because now I'm doing what's right, And God is helping me overcome these things. So, this is a very common occurrence in all of our lives. Every one of us has something, or we will have something, that we just have a glitch. And we respond like this. We're human. Remember, we have a tendency to do things wrong. That does not mean it's hopeless. There is a way to fix it. And that's what you're going to see in just a minute. Something else. Christians and unbelievers alike all battle depression. There are those that say depression is always caused by sin. If you are depressed, 
There is a sin in your life somewhere where you need to deal with it, and then you'll come out of your depression. Try telling somebody depressed that that's the answer. You think that's going to pull them out of depression? If it's me, it just plunged me deeper into it. Here's the deal. Sin can, and you'll see in a minute, be a cause of it. Sin and guilt. You'll see that. However, look at all these people right here who experience depression. Job. In Job 3 and verse 1, he said, I wish I could erase the day I was born. I want to die. Did Job do anything wrong? Not one thing. God allowed Satan to test him to prove his faithfulness to God. And it worked. Read Job 40, chapter 42. It worked. He didn't stay there. But sin was not Job's problem. That's not why he was in depression. Now, Ahab, on the other hand, was. You remember the story of Ahab? Who had that wonderful godly wife, Jezebel? Ahab goes to a man named Naboth who had a vineyard right next to the palace. And he said, Naboth, can I have your vineyard? And Naboth said, not on your life. That vineyard belonged to my family. It's my inheritance. I'm not allowed to give it away. So you know what Ahab did? The strong and mighty man of character that he was, being the king of Israel. He goes back to his palace, promptly went into his bedroom, shut his door, crawled up into his bed, started sulking and crying, and said, I didn't get what I wanted. His wife walks in. What's wrong with you? He's not eating. He's not talking to nobody. He's withdrawn from everybody. He's laying in his bedroom, pouting. What's wrong with you? I went to Naboth and said, I want that vineyard. He won't give me that vineyard. I can't have what I want, so I didn't want to die. Jezebel said, get your rear end out of that bed. You're the king of Israel. What are you doing? I'll get you that vineyard. And then you may know the story. She had Naboth murdered, stole the vineyard, and then God later on took care of Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab was in depression. Withdrawal, not eating, no physical energy, mad because he didn't get what he wanted. Depression. He wasn't godly. He was wicked. Moses, Elijah, and Jonah. I would say we would probably all agree that they were fairly godly men. All three of them in those three passages of Scripture right there, Numbers 11, 1 Kings 19, and Jonah 4, in all three of those passages, all three of those guys told God, I want to die. They wanted to commit suicide, and they wanted God to help them. They were depressed to the point of suicide, wanting to affect their own death. And they were godly men. We all have, because we're human, the tendency and the danger of having to deal with this. Okay? So, let's talk about um, just a few things real quick that will help us with this. First of all, um, three words, disappointment, discouragement, and then depression. Three different words. And I want you to understand it. Disappointment. Sad, but there's still hope. We didn't win the state championship. We came in second. I'm disappointed, but I'm not ready to kill myself over it. Okay? Disappointment, but, but, but there's still hope. Life goes on. Discouragement. A loss of confidence. 
I tried for the promotion. I didn't get it. I'm a little discouraged, but I'm not ready to just quit on life. I'm discouraged, but, but, but I can overcome this. However, depression or despair has one huge difference. When a person gets to this point, it's because they think there is no hope. That's why it many times leads to thoughts of suicide. There is no hope. That is the biggest difference in being disappointed or discouraged and being in a state of depression. I don't see a way out. Okay? Possible causes. This comes from Gary Collins, Dr. Gary Collins' book, Christian Counseling. We, we don't have time to go through all of these in detail, but physiological. Um, somebody says, well, there's no way that there's some kind of chemical problem. Talk to any woman who's been through PMS or postpartum syndrome. Both of those because of biological hormonal issues in a woman. And fellas, when we talk about marriage, we talk about that. It's part of it. It's how God made them, and he made us to love them and support them and help them. Okay? But that's a, that, that can lead to depression. By the way, do you know diet can affect your emotions? It really can. Try it sometime. Uh, sin or guilt. That's obvious, and we've seen that. Anger, envy, and jealousy, low self-esteem. We already talked about all of those. We talked about how they can lead to that. Faulty thinking. This is a negative Nancy. Everything's negative. Woe is me. Life is all dark and gloom. There's never positive about anything. Everything is bad and headed downward. Man, that, that makes me depressed just thinking about it. Unrealistic expectations. We talked about that. Trying to be something we can't. Um, stress. Pretty obvious. Feelings of helplessness over things we cannot control. You know, more people get discouraged and depressed over things that they cannot control. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, my wife had a real good friend of hers from when she was growing up um, down in the Keys. She and her wife, she and her husband were missionaries to Cuba. They were leaving to go to a meeting from North Carolina, go to meet in Ohio last week, up around Kernersville, North Carolina, in bad weather. He lost control of their band. It rolled, and their three-year-old daughter was killed. The funeral is actually this week, I think. The news stations have interviewed them. Everybody, it's, it's all over Facebook. I will tell you it's affected our life for the better. But you ought to hear them talk about it. You ought to hear their testimony and the grace that God has given them to handle this. There's nothing they can do about it. It was out of their control. So, there are a lot of times we beat ourselves up over things we can't control when we have to learn to just trust God. Now, here's some warning signs Dr. Collins gives us. This will help you if you have friends that you think may be dealing with this. Unhappiness. Increased negativity. Becoming more and more negative about life. Withdrawal. They just crawl in a hole. Lack of physical energy. Low self-esteem. Constantly putting themselves down. Talk of suicide or life having no meaning. Had no reason to get up. My life has no meaning, no purpose. Now, I will tell you, if any of that stuff is present, 
There is the possibility that if it's not depression, that's where they're headed. So, how do we deal with it? What is the key to overcoming depression? Real fast. Complete trust in God and His plan for my life. Now, I know that sounds ultra-spiritual. I'm going to give you some practical things that that means. Okay? But I want you to look at chapter 43 of Psalms and verse number 5 again. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Here it is. Put your hope in God. At the end of the day, that's the only answer. That is the only answer. God is in control. He knows what He's doing. And I trust Him. I wish there was an easy answer. There's not. This, by the way, is why Satan doesn't want anybody to get to know Him. Because when you get to know Jesus and who He is and how much He loves us, He begins to fix these things. Satan doesn't want them fixed. Remember, he wants to kill, to steal, and destroy our life. So, what does that mean? To completely trust God and His plan for my life. Psalm 42 and 43 teaches us four basic things here. Number one, admit the problem. In chapter 42, I want you to look at the latter part of verse number 5. He says, Put your hope in God, I'll yet praise Him, my Savior, my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember. He admitted his soul was downcast. He admitted he was struggling with depression or a problem internally. He admitted it. I can't fix a problem if I don't admit I got it. If I keep denying and trying to act like it ain't there, it's eventually going to kill me. I've eventually got to come to the place where I can admit it. Do you know one of the reasons most people will not admit it? Embarrassment. And a misconception of what the people who love them will think if they admit it. That's why it is so important for you and I as their friends and their Barnabases to make sure they know, I love you, I don't care what you're going through. And you can tell me anything. Okay? So, admit the problem. Number two, acknowledge the source of the problem. In chapter 43, the first couple of verses, he tells what the source of his problem was. Why he was downcast. Because his enemies were getting the best of him. And that's why he was depressed. Okay? Number three, allow God to guide you. Look at chapter 43, verse 3. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. He said, God, I'm in the midst of this funk where I don't know what to do. I need you to send me light so I can see through this darkness. You ever heard people talk about the light at the end of the tunnel? That's what he's asking for. Let me see your light and your truth so they will guide me through this darkness. That's the only way to get through it is to find out what God says we're supposed to do and do what God says. Well, how's that going to work? Don't worry how it's going to work. If God says do it, it'll work. I've got to trust Him. It's obvious I hadn't been able to figure it out on my own. I might as well trust God. Then, number four, attached to God's family. That's why we're called a family. That's why He's called our Abba Father. That's why we're a body with many members. We cannot do life alone. 
We can't do it. We've got to have others. Wish I had time to expand on that, but I don't. Okay? Now, some practical steps to take. All right? This is found in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 through 58, which we don't have time to read. By the way, on your study sheet, it is part of your Bible reading for this week, and you will read through this if you go through that. But let me just give you six practical steps that hopefully will make this a little more practical as things you can actually do if you find yourself hitting depression. Okay? Also, you can use these to help your friends. Number one, adjust your thinking. Lamentation 3, 19 through 21, he talks about the fact that he thought negatively, he thought there was no hope, then he refocused his thinking on God and what God could do. So I've got to adjust my thinking. I've got to set my mind on the Lord, not on my circumstances. Number two, accept that God loves me no matter what. In Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, the Bible talks about God's eternal love that is renewed every morning. He loves me forever. No matter what I do. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says nothing can separate us from God's love. And I'm going to tell you, my friend, that is the most powerful thing you can ever get a hold of in your heart. That God loves you no matter what you do. When everybody in the world hates you, including yourself, hating yourself, God still loves us. Number three, believe that God's in control and has a plan for my life. In Lamentations 3, 24 through 38 the Bible basically says, is there anything in life that happens that God is not in control of? I have to honestly be able to answer that by faith with a yes. God is in control of everything. There is not one thing that happens in my life He's not in control of. Number four, examine my life and deal honestly with sin. Verses 39 through 54 of Lamentation 3. If there is a sin problem in my life, I have to be willing to honestly confront it and let God forgive me and deal with it and accept that. And just deal with it. Hey, we all sin, don't we? I mean, sin's never going away. We're all going to have to deal with it. So don't be embarrassed. Don't think there's something weird about you. We all sin. we got to do that every day. So if that's part of the problem, let's just deal with it. God will give us victory. He'll get us through it, and He forgives us. Okay? Number five. Accept God's forgiveness. Lamentation 3, 55-58 says He will always forgive us and He will redeem us. But you've got to accept it. You know the hardest person for us to forgive? Ourself. God forgives me long before I forgive myself. Accept God's forgiveness. It's okay. And then number six, we've got to start doing the right thing. I can't stay curled up in that bed like Ahab Fountain. I gotta get up. Now, let me tell you this. Psalm 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. There's no other way to say it. I'm trusting God, but I gotta get up and do right. I gotta do the right thing. Here's where your friends need you. Sometimes it's hard to crawl out of that bed of depression. They need you to help them get out. Hey, let's go have coffee. Let's do something together. Hey, we're going to an activity. Come go with me. That's where we come in. That's where the Barnabases come in. And then remember one more thing. This is a process. If you or somebody you know is dealing with depression, they got there more than likely through a process. It takes a process to get victory over it. So be patient. 
And remember, God's going to take care of it. But you've got to be patient. This is not go home, take three verses, and everything will be better in the morning. It's a process. It's a life change. And a lot of times, it's a life change that somebody needs us to help them with. Okay? Maybe this week, you want to pray and ask God, lead me to someone who needs me to just encourage them and see what God does. Okay?